wonderful boys and girls. I hope you're well. Welcome to Storytime with Avant Garde Books. I'm Sheree Hardy, and today I will be reading Jerry Changed the Game How Engineer Jerry Lawson Revolutionized Video Games Forever. This book was written by Don Tate, and the illustrations are by Sharice Harris. Well, if you have a copy, just feel free to read along with me. But if you don't, it's quite okay. Try to get in a very comfortable place. Just get relaxed and listen to Jerry Change the Game. Jerry Lawson was a tinkerer. He loved to play with springs and sprockets and gadgety things. His favorite toy was a hand car powered by a gear and a crank. Other kids couldn't figure out how it worked, but always a problem solver, Jerry had been able to figure out how simple machines worked since he was three years old. He lived with his family in Queens, New York. In the 1940s, racism gripped the community like a vibe, denying black kids the same educational opportunities as white kids. The Lawson family, however, would not let racism stand in the way of a good education. When Jerry's dad wasn't working on the docks, he was home plowing through science magazines. Jerry called him the science bug. To ensure his son attended the best schools, Jerry, Jerry's mother interviewed the teachers. If they didn't pass her test, Jerry didn't go to that school. Jerry wound up attending PS50, a school far outside his neighborhood. A picture of George Washington Carver hung on a wall near Jerry's desk. Carver was a black scientist and inventor who'd created things from peanuts and soybeans that most people thought were impossible. The photo inspired Jerry to want to become a scientist too. One Christmas, Jerry asked his mother for an atomic energy kit. It contained a Geiger counter and a Wilson chamber, instruments that budding scientists used to observe chemical reactions but it cost more money than Jerry's family could afford. Instead, his brother brought him an inexpensive shortwave radio receiver, a gift that changed Jerry's life. He soon used equipment to build a ham radio station in his bedroom. It allowed him to communicate with other electronics, hobbyists across the country and around the world. His plan hit a snag though. Amateur radio operators needed a special license issued by the U.S. government, and the manager of his apartment building refused to sign the paperwork. Was it game over for Jerry's radio station? Not quite. 13-year-old Jerry's research revealed a loophole. Amateur radio operators living in public housing did not need a license. Hot diggity, Jerry said. Soon he was on the airwaves, thrilled to have solved the problem all by himself. By the time Jerry was 16 years old, his love of tinkering had surged like an electromagnetic force. On weekends, he purchased tube testers, capacitors, resistors, and sockets at electronic stores. Jerry used the parts to build walkie-talkies, then sold them to friends. He also repaired neighbors' TVs which was how he met his future wife, Catherine. The 1960s changed the game for Jerry. He studied electronics at Queens College and the City College of New York, though he didn't finish earning a degree at either school. 
Jerry preferred learning things on his own by tinkering in his garage. There is a name for tinkerers like Jerry. They're called engineers. The design, they design and build machines, engines, and structures like bridges. Engineers are problem solvers who keep the world running. Jerry hadn't realized it as a kid, but he's been an engineer all his life. All grown up now, Jerry longed for a job that would allow him to do something inventive with his engineering, something game-changing. Northern California, the area later known as Silicon Valley, was a hot spot for engineers, entrepreneurs, and high-tech gurus from across the country. That's where Jerry wanted to be. So in 1968, he and his wife headed west. Once there, Jerry snagged a job at Fairchild Semiconductor, a leading manufacturer of microprocessors, thumb-sized slabs of silicon and circuits. Engineers would soon use them as the brains of gadgets like calculators, clocks, and digital wristwatches. Jerry's job at Fairchild was to drive a 28-foot electronics laboratory and showroom on wheels. He even helped design the rig. It looked like something from, a, from James Bond, Jerry said, of the contraption. With very few black engineers working in the valley, folks sometimes gawked when six-foot, six, 280-pound six, Jerry Lawson entered the room. Jerry paid the stairs no mind, though. He focused on doing his job as best as he could. In the early 1970s, kids swarmed to neighborhoods, neighborhood arcades, giant playrooms inside of amusement parks, pizza restaurants, and bowling alleys with coin-operated games like pinball. Kids cheered as machines blinked and zipped metal balls through mazes as fast as lightning. But pinball machines were soon replaced when new technologies ushered in a new kind of fun, Pong. It was one of the first video games ever. It used a television screen and fancy electronic wiring to Pong at ping and Pong on an electronic ball back and forth across the screen. The game set off a video game craze that swept through the nation. Jerry saw video games as an opportunity to work on something new while making money at the same time. Back home in his garage, aka the lab, Jerry tinkered some more. Then he used a microprocessor made by the company he worked for to create his own coin-operated video game. He called it Demolition Derby. It combined a steering wheel with a clever computer program to race cars all over the screen. It even had a feature to prevent folks from stealing coins out of the machine. Jerry tested out his video game at a nearby piece of pizza restaurant, and it was a big hit. Problem was, Jerry hadn't asked his bosses at Fairchild for permission to use their microprocessor in his video game, which could cost him his job. Was it game over for Jerry's career? Just the opposite. In fact, in Jerry's bosses invited him to develop a video game for them too, with the goal of moving arcade games out of restaurants and into people's homes. Jerry soon led the company's new video game division. Problem-solving Jerry went right to work. The problem, only one game could be played on each gaming system at a time. How boring. 
and it was too expensive for people to buy a whole new console just to play a new game. The solution? What if games could be put on individual removable cartridges? That way, kids could insert different cartridges and play more games, all on the same console. It was an idea conceived by two engineers in Connecticut. They had even invented a prototype model, but no one had been able to actually make the idea work. Jerry was still determined to try. He said, I'm one of the guys. If you tell me I can't do something, I'll turn around and do it. Jerry hired a team of engineers to help. The team first had to tackle some big questions. Would plugging in and unplugging a cartridge cause an explosion? Might delicate parts get worn down? And where would all the wires and circuitry go? No one knew the answers because none of this had been done before. Six months later, Jerry and his team figured out, figured things out and completed the project. Jerry even designed an eight-way joystick controller to go with the new console. Now kids could turn, twist, push, and pull to control the game. It even had a pause button for bathroom breaks. The prototype debuted at the Consumer Electronics Show in Chicago in June 1976. Jerry was proud of his work, but even more problems lay ahead. Jerry's friend and fellow engineer, Al Alcorn, the inventor of Pong, warned him that the console radiated too much electronic noise. Unfortunately, it would not pass government testing. Disappointed and a bit embarrassed, Jerry left the show early. Game over. Not for long, though. <laughs> Jerry worked nonstop, searching for a solution, until one night at the company lab, when he made a discovery, the electronic noise was being caused by the joystick controller, not the console itself. After a few more calculations and measurements, he whipped out a pair of scissors and clip. He shortened the cord of the joystick controller by two inches. The game-changing idea reduced the noise and fixed the problem. Game on. In November 1976, the Fairchild Video Entertainment System, Best, was stuck on store shelves. It had two built-in video games with three video cards available. Initial sales were sluggish, and it wasn't long before the system was overshadowed by the Atari Video Computer System, VCS, later rebranded as the Atari 2600. A viral console with better marketing and slicker graphics. It was game over for the Fairchild system, but not for Jerry. He started his own company called Videosoft Incorporated. It was the first African-American-owned video game development company in the country. Jerry hired some of his engineering friends from Fairchild, and they started to work right away. In this new business, Jerry created products for the popular Atari 2600. He invented 3D games. He even tinkered while with, with creating video games that allowed players to compete with each other over the telephone. Jerry had ideas for even more games, but so did every other independent game maker. The video game market swelled with new games and gaming systems, more products than there were people to buy them. This brought about the video game market crash of 1983. Companies lost money, then they went out of business, including Jerry's, 
video soft incorporated. He closed the doors to his business two years after it had opened. Jerry Lawson never became famous, but his contributions changed the video gaming world forever. Today's popular video game consoles like Sony PlayStation, Microsoft Xbox, or Nintendo Switch wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for Jerry Lawson, the tinkerer who, if you told him he couldn't do something, turned around and did it anyway. Wow, the end, boys and girls. That wonderful story was about Jerry Changed the Game, how engineer Jerry Lawson revolutionized video game forever. Written by Don Tate and illustrated by Cherise Harris. Well, boys and girls, I hope you enjoyed this story. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'll put a link in the description box. Have a wonderful evening. Take care.